I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is Internet Marketing. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 125 of Internet Marketing, brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. And in today's show, Kelvin talks to Daryl Wilcox, the man behind Daryl Wilcox Publishing, about the role of the web and social media in digital publishing and PR. All coming up in Internet Marketing. Daryl, so tell us a bit about kind of the the business that you work for and the various elements to it, because it's kind of there's there's, there's, a, there's a number of different sides to it that kind of have um, impact on internet marketing. That's right. I mean, uh, there's there's three big sides to what we do, um, but to distill it down into a single sentence, you know, what what we do is, uh, you know, we we make it sort of easy for uh, the PR professionals to. Uh, communicate with with the media and there's three main services there's a a press release distribution online press release wire Um, there's a media database product we have and we have um, a journalist inquiry service which uh, when we launched it uh, back in uh, 1997 was you know unique in the UK in fact uh, when we launched everything back in 1997, it was pretty unique. I mean, we were the only company really in our space at that time doing everything online. So we sort of leapfrogged, um, you know, the industry in a way, and they've all sort of tried to catch up with us. But yeah, it's it's those three services um, that kind of make it easier for PR professionals. And back in 97, it would have been journalists, but today it's journalists and, you know, bloggers and, you know, other content creators, um, you know, using our services to help them develop content and, and, you know, get it out there. So, yeah, that's how it works. And you, you talked a bit there about the, the change from kind of just conventional journalists to a more wider variety of content producers. Is that the biggest change that you've seen in that kind of period of, you know, putting um, content in front of publishers? Yeah, I think I think it, it is, definitely. I think it's really, really exciting. And, and for the last five years, I've been sort of campaigning to uh, the PR world that um, they need to sort of sit up and take more attention to what's going on digitally. And, and when I say digitally, I mean, you know, in its broadest sense, from um, traditional media moving to uh, more online mediums like you know websites uh, and but also you know digital tv and stuff like that uh, and the other the other end of the spectrum you know social media 
So you're individual publishing companies, as it were, you know, little bloggers and big bloggers, and uh, but also, you know, influencers, those who actually probably wouldn't perceive themselves as necessarily being content creators, but because they are active on social media and have a big following uh, and influence others are very, very important to um, uh, companies, you know, when, when they're doing their sort of uh, digital marketing. So, yeah, we, we've been sort of uh, adapting to that sort of huge, you know, change in the media and, and trying to sort of take a lead as well and, and take our responsibility as, uh, you know, a sort of voice in, in the PR world quite seriously. And so, you know, I wrote a white paper five years ago sort of actually trying to uh, raise awareness of, of what was going on. Uh, and that's, you know, gladly, um, a lot of the sort of negative predictions that I made in that white paper haven't come true. And I think the, the world is definitely changing. So it's a very exciting time. And, and you, you know, of the people who are still making mistakes and who, ha- who haven't really made that change, you haven't kind of seen the growing tide. What, what kind of exemplifies the mistakes that they're making? So, and the, the things that you want to be avoiding if you're, you know, trying to get these influencers, these independent publishers, these, you know, new, new you know, gatekeepers of content yeah. to, to to listen to you and, and share your message. Well, uh, I, yeah. What, what are the mistakes people are making? I think actually, it's 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 difficult, really, to sort of uh, put your finger on, you know, say a single mistake that is generally made in in sort of PR or marketing along these lines. I actually think the real challenge lies in uh, educating clients, and 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 I've always, you know, in in the talks that I've made to sort of. PR audiences, a lot of the feedback is often, oh yeah, we really understand what you're saying, we understand how important sort of digital and social media is, but our current clients don't care. Um, so the real challenge is, you know, actually taking that role as a consultant and saying, actually, client, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> and uh, being on the front page of the FT isn't going to sell anything, but having a load of links uh, and good quality content in uh, relevant blogs and getting some conversations going about your brand on social media is going to sell stuff. Uh, And that's actually quite a tall order when PR historically has been treated a bit like a sort of commodity and that boards uh, and marketing directors have not necessarily been open to listening to advice from from that community. So I I think PR has to step up. Um, I think search, the search industry, really got it really early on and um, understood the value of content online uh, and the, the value of inbound links and quality content versus poor quality content. And I think, you know, for a while, the search industry really was, you know, much more switched on to this. But over the last two or three years, I think the PR industry has really finally grasped it. And there's some really, really clever stuff going on out there now. And what I always like to see as well is that search agencies working closely with with their, you know, opposite numbers in PR agencies and, and stuff like that. I think the two dif- disciplines are... Very different, um, but there's a lot of opportunity for um, you know synergy and, and working together and really making a much you know making campaigns much more dynamic and effective by by working as a kind of team of agencies. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see how how agencies evolve over the next five years. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's in yeah. There's definitely that almost press syndication sites and wires and those types of things have you know two. Um, 
two distinct users that you talked about there, the PR industry and the, the search industry, who seem to be, you know, although there's a, a coming together now, I think, you know, in the past perhaps we're using for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. So the, the PR industry, from my impression, is far more about actually getting in front of the eyes of someone who is going to write about them, whereas yes. for the search industry it was almost a means unto itself, is that the wire was the purpose of, you know, yes. to get the content on that wire. Is, is that changing in terms of, because... The, as a you know, as a customer of, of your wire, as opposed to other wires, you know, one of the things that I, that I prefer is the fact that there is that potential there that's yeah. much more significant that someone is actually going to read it, whereas some of the other ones are far more, you know, it's about where their content gets republished. It doesn't actually get really it, and that's done automatically, algorithmically. There's no actual editorial control there. Do you think that that's changing? Yeah, I think I think the two the, the two uh, the two are coming together. Uh, in as much as um, a, a lot of our search clients are really looking to not just get generate inbound links, but also to sort of get um, you know uh, real real audience, and, and also not just indication, but for actual for that for that content to be reused by um, by humans, <laughs> uh, which is sort of what PR is all about, uh, and and PR is getting a bit more technical at the same time. Whereas some you know there is a, a gradual understanding of the importance of things like you know keywords and and, and, and embedded links. Um, so the two are sort of uh, drifting together, um, but I still I still see that you know that they are quite separate disciplines, and that if you were as as a as a client, and you know, I, I have a PR agency, and I and I we do SEO in house, but we do pay per click with a, with a, a, a third party. Um, as a as a buyer of these services, I do consider them to be separate, but they do need to work together. Yeah. And I think that's really the future. I think we'll get super agencies where you know they'll be providing SEO and PR and you know advertising or digital advertising all under one house, but they're not going to work for everybody. I mean, they'll maybe the bigger brands well, that will make sense for global brands, but that's not going to work for for the, the enormous number of SMEs that are around. And it's I think it's SMEs for, for which you know that you know search and uh, digital PR offers the greatest opportunities because there's enormous potential return on investment there, um, and, and sort of. Other marketing disciplines can be extremely expensive, you know, perceived to be extremely expensive. So, uh, no, it's an, it's it's uh, it's it's. I, I do see sort of gradual merging of the disciplines, but yeah, I think um, you know, I I would wouldn't dare predict, you know, how it's how it's going to go from here. Yeah, I mean, generally as a as a species, I think we're generally pretty poor at predict, predicting the future, but we can normally, you know, yeah, just see general trends of of where things are going, and you know, with that trend of you know search marketers and digital marketers getting more you know savvy and you know picking up more of the skill sets and the approaches of more traditional uh public relations and you know communications industry are you starting to see a change in particularly for the kind of the media database side of the, the business you know kind of people like myself saying okay well actually um we've produced this survey on behalf of our client that we've produced it in such a way that we want it to get links rather than men, you know kind of mentions you're seeing more and more of those types of things and you know that, that movement as well yeah I, I think i think what's going on uh in in that world i mean our media database product um is uh you know in, in many ways you know, it's an organic thing because five years ago um you know we would have been listing a lot more traditional journalists 
but a lot of them have gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they've been made redundant or whatever. But, you know, we're now adding you know, top bloggers. Um, there are new online media products uh, opening all the time, niche, you know, sort of what I call sort of like, you know, there's a big big talk at the moment about um, hyper-local. Well, I think there's, there's a movement towards hyper-niche. Yeah. Uh, where you've got media outlets that um, cross um, a vertical and a horizontal market and are very, very, very niche. And um, that's where our media database is becoming really, really valuable again because, you know, we're sort of picking up on these new media outlets. And, yeah, and as for a user, you know, whether you're, you know, whether you want content to be uh, uh, distributed and, and um, reproduced across as many outlets or whether you're just looking for inbound links... Really, this data is, is, is usable for, for either purpose, um, you know. So, and the, and the other thing as well is that, um, you know, journalists can influence your brand not just through the content they're generating for their main product, but just through their behaviour, day-to-day behaviour. So a lot of them are tweeting, a lot of them have got their own blogs, um, and so they could be not just writing about your brand in their sort of you know magazine or newspaper or whatever, but they could actually be talking about your brand online. And these people have a lot of followers and they have a lot of influence as individuals. So um, you know we're sort of adding social media links for all the journalists and uh, you know building up their profiles so that you know you, you, you can identify who are going to be the key individuals. And so it works on many different levels. And you know from my background prior to getting into SEL. I kind of worked for what what was EMAP that's now Bauer and, and the, the editorial teams there at magazines like FHM and Zoo and that and I know that the journalists there were kind of inundated with these pitches of, of certain types and I know that there's there's changes there but it was quite interesting to me to see this whole rise of the the journalist asking for the content as opposed to the other way around with a help a reporter out kind of harrow style approach yeah. and do you, do you think that's actually where you know as much as these databases can be really helpful and they can be more involved and they can be more specific so it's going after you know exactly the right type of person to yeah. to pitch your your story to rather than you know a wide swath of people do you think that's actually maybe the way that'll go where it's the these journalists of all shapes and forms um, asking to be pitched on a particular topic at a particular time that's most likely to be successful for the person doing that pitching. Yeah, I think that's definitely... Uh... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. A big movement. I, I mean, we you know, are very proud of the fact that you know, uh, you know, nearly 15 years ago, we launched Response Source, which is our journalist inquiry service. And you know, we were first in the UK and remain the biggest service in the UK and that service is constantly evolving. We've even sort of like uh, bent the rules a bit and we actually allow sort of PR to PR inquiries and stuff like that. So it's becoming more of a sort of community rather than just sort of a one-way sort of uh, um, uh, communications platform. But definitely this, this concept of the journalist as their normal daily work requesting uh, information via these kinds of services and, to uh, you know... It, um, they're often using social media to do this. And uh, a lot of people said to me, oh, well, you know, surely people don't need response source anymore because they're using Twitter. And it's like, well, yes, maybe, but only if all the right people are following you or all the right people are actively searching uh, or got proper searches going on on Twitter and are monitoring social media. It's not really uh, necessarily going to work. It does work to a certain extent um, if you're a very, very well-known journalist and you've got you know, 5,000 followers or something. Uh, but even then, it's a bit like the old days where uh, journalists would sort of simply rely on their own contacts book for, yeah. for, for information. Um, what, what's great about Response Source is it's, it's a closed network, but it's also a network that's specific to uh, you know, the, the PR community. So when you, when you send out requests... Uh, those requests are going to people who are trained and, you know, it's their job to provide journalists with relevant information. So I think it's got a very valuable place. And, and what's happened with the fact that social media is being used for similar things is it's actually made it a lot easier for, our, for us to communicate how response source works. Because people sort of already get it now. It's like, OK, I can put a request out using, you know, online channels and get information back. And that's really put journalists sort of back in control because I think... You know, in, in the 90s, you know, they were just completely deluged with information. I remember getting sort of 100 press releases a day when I was working, you know, as a journalist on a technology magazine in, in the sort of 1994 or whenever it was. And you know, paper press releases, you know, just piling up on your desk. It was just a crazy situation. You know, and then every Tuesday afternoon, you know, press day, we'd be waiting by the fax machine, you know, for, like, statements to be coming back from sort of PR professionals. It was just a ridiculous situation. So all these tools um, have really made, uh, made the job of the role of a journalist a lot easier, uh, and I think it's fantastic. And I think they'll just evolve and get more sophisticated as time goes by. And any tips then, because that, that changes the dynamic, because when you're, you know, putting out a, a press release or the like, and it's the kind of you're broadcasting hoping that a journalist will bite there's certain approaches that you would want to use and i suppose although digital has changed some of that you're going to want to be including keywords you're going to want to be thinking about the keywords you're going to be wanting to think about the types of links that you're including in the multimedia content with it i suppose in some extent that's probably not really changed that much from you know when you were first doing press releases but does that change quite drastically when you're the journalist has expressed what they want you have to pitch in quite a different way uh, yes, you do. Uh, you have to pitch in a much more succinct way. You know, uh, it's very dangerous to, you know, reply to a request from a journalist with a 400-word press release, um, especially as an attachment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've pretty much got two sentences to grab their attention. And there's a time issue as well, because when a, when a request comes out, you know, 
uh, on Twitter or on Response Source or another service, you know, you've got to react very quickly if you've got relevant, uh, you know, relevant uh, information for them, because there will, will be many others. But at the end of the day, it's relevancy is, is absolutely critical. So you've got, you know, just get that point across in the first couple of sentences, you know, what it is that you've got and how it's relevant. Unfortunately, and I'm sure this happens as much on, on Twitter as it does on Response Source, a lot of PRs do chance it a bit. So a journalist might put a request out and PRs um, who, you know, are not thinking, you know, particularly intelligently might just try and wedge their story in uh, some way or other. And um, it's actually quite amazing how much sort of rubbish journalists receive when they put requests out, which is a real shame because it's kind of putting them off the concept of, 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 of using that, that sort of research technique. Uh, but, yeah, it is very different to writing a press release. And, and I think the, the, whole, the whole sort of press release construction issue is, is much more sophisticated than it was it, 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 it now than it was, say, 10 years ago. I mean, 10 years ago, it was like, right, OK, we get the facts and the quotes in there. And, you know, we try and get a, 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 a decent headline and intro that is going to, you know, capture attention. It's got the main story in. And then you put the contact details at the bottom and that's it. You know, the other issue is timing and the other issue is who do you send it to. But now you've got, whoa, you know, you've got to think about your keywords. Uh, you've got to think about what embedded links you might use. You've got to think about what pictures you might uh, include. And using a lot of online uh, distribution tools, you can attach a picture, uh, which uh, it doesn't cause a problem for the journalist because it's not going out by email. It's just in, it's linked to online. So it's a great way of getting pictures out. Pictures will often sell a story. Um, so you've really got to think about the visual elements of the story. And then there's things like, you know, pulling out relevant quotes and highlighting them. Uh, you've got to think about sort of what sort of meta tags, key, you know, you might want to highlight. And these aren't necessarily just about search issues. These are about helping the journalists find, find the information, not necessarily about generating, you know, better search rankings for your clients. So it's worth considering all these, these, these issues. It's not just about, you know, SEO and the technical elements of SEO. You know, this is where I think PR and SEO really does get very, very close, you know. And, and, and there's all these other elements of, of what, what people have called the social media press release, which is a phrase I'm not a big fan of. Because I think, you know, um, we've been doing social media press releases since 1997 when we first put press releases online publicly, you know, not behind a login or anything. They were something that became a commodity that any, any consumer of information could use. All the other elements, you know, embedded links, images, uh, links to relevant content, video, they're all just ultimately just bits and pieces that you may or may not include depending on on the release yeah because so. that's, that's a tricky one isn't it for some people where it's that you, you go to particularly some of the american wires and it's just kind of they're constantly trying to upsell you to the the enhanced version of the press releases and i think in some cases you know there's elements of it that are worth having it's like a, without the links then it's not worth doing it from an seo perspective and maybe the pictures do help you know get some cut through there but i do think sometimes there's this temptation to you know, oh, it's only $50 more to get a tweet this button here. And it's like, well, I've not seen many press releases tweeted unless it's supremely newsworthy. And at that point, I'm yeah. not sure it was the button that did that. No, of course, you're absolutely right. I think you've got to think what is going to work with this release, what is going to help this particular release, and think about the context. I mean, in certain cases, you know, text only, depending on the story, would be absolutely fine. What I find that quite amusing is if you actually look at a social media press release template mm. in all its glory, 
it's the sort of thing that no reader would go near with a barge pole because it's an absolute dog's dinner. You know, you've got sort of like boxes here, boxes there, links there, relevant content there. It's just a complete disaster. And any anyone uh, with any sort of uh, sort of design sensibilities uh, would say you'd never produce a document that looks like that, whether it's online or offline or whatever. So I think you've got to really think intelligently about what you include in your release and what you don't. And do you think that the you know many of the listeners of the podcast might not be kind of experienced PR people, and whether do you think that they can be capable of you know putting these releases together, or, or even more so on the kind of pitching journalists? You know, can, is that a type of skill that you can learn and you can do as a kind of you know business owner in an SME, or maybe you know so you're you're a marketer in general, and PR is only kind of like one of about twenty things that you've got to do in your day job. Do you think that actually there's it's kind of democratized that element of it a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I I I think um, PR is not a sort of black art. You don't have to be an ex-journalist, you know, uh, to to do it. Um, um, if you if you've open-minded and you've got a little bit of time, and uh, I think that's probably the critical factor. If you've got a couple of hours a week, sit a week to sit down and, and learn about um, you know how to craft a press release, um, how to identify your audience, how to uh, put a press release together, how to pitch to journalists how to then measure and follow up, um, then you could be quite successful in doing it yourself. And I know lots of uh, small business owners who've been have had really, really good results. And it's the sort of thing that builds over time as well. So you do need to be, have a bit of patience. So when you start doing your own PR, um, you're not probably not going to get massive results straight away. It's the sort of thing that builds over time. And, and in many cases, you know, journalists won't respond to your organisation perhaps until you've communicated with them about three or four times. And they think, oh, yeah, I remember that first time they contacted I thought that was quite a good story, but I didn't really have time or I, I didn't have space. But I'm going to speak to them this time. So it sort of builds up over time. But it's definitely, yeah, it's absolutely something that, that people, other marketers or, or business owners can, can pick up. But I think it is a time issue. And if you are really desperately short of time, I always say, go and use a PR agency or, or, or not necessarily a PR agency, but, you know, maybe a, a marketing agency who's got PR skills within the organisation or even a, a, a search agency, you know, because I think there's, it's perfectly legitimate that, you know, some, a, a client of a search agency who maybe doesn't have a, a, a budget to, for a full PR service from another agency might say to a search agency, look, can you do a little bit of PR on the, you know, while you're doing the SEO? And I think perhaps, I mean, in, in your, in, you might experience that with some of your clients. I know that quite a few of the search agencies are doing a, a, a certain amount of, of PR and um, they've brought in PR professionals or they've, they've learned how to do it themselves. And in terms of for those people who want to go out and learn a bit more themselves about how to how to these any particular websites or resources or books that you can or is it kind of one of these ones if you do a good Google you'll probably be able to find some pretty good advice. Uh, if you do a good Google, you probably will get loads of advice. Uh, some of it might be conflicting, and um, also you have to think that remember that the uh, media culture in in different territories is different. So what a US person might be saying is a good sort of PR activity may not work in the UK, but. Uh, I mean, not, not wanting to sort of, you know, promote our own services, but we, we, we have got our special uh, section on our site for, for SMEs. It's uh, dwpub.com slash smallbusiness. Mm. And there's a few um, resources there. Um, we've got a white paper that was written by a PR professional, and, was, and it's basically how to do your own PR. Mm. Um, and that's aimed primarily at, uh, you know, your sort of micro-business SME. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's loads of resources out there, so it's, it's not difficult to, to, sort of, uh, to, to sort of get those skills, really. 
Fantastic. Thanks for that, Darrell. Really appreciate some interesting tips and advice there. And yeah, definitely an area where I can see that the search industry and the PR industry coming together and learning from each other's respective skills and the whole interesting dynamic of the changing nature of a publisher makes it quite an interesting uh, place to, to be working at the moment, I can imagine. Yes, yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, thank you very much, Kelvin. Cheers. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links, and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments, and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number... If you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five oh. If you're inside the UK, it's O one two seven three two five six one five oh. And you can leave a voice comment or question and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself. Well that's it for now. Andy White is signing off until next week on Internet Marketing. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.